Good morning. Ooh, that's a lot of sound. <laughs> oh, it's good to see every one of you here this morning. It looks like they're still pan- handing out some of the drinks and some of the, the bagels. You know, in my life, I've had the opportunity to have a lot of conversations with people. Sometimes it's a formal conversation in my office, and um, whether it's a pastoral conversation or I'm a professional counselor, sometimes it's a counseling conversation. And those are all good and wonderful. But some of my favorite times are when I'm at my home, sitting on my back porch. Now, many of you all have been to my home, but if you haven't, please make a point to let me know so I can invite you over. And I have a screened-in back porch, and it's surrounded by woods. I live, in, I live very close to here, but I have an acre of property, and most of it's in woods. And I love to sit on the back porch and have conversations. And, and my kids like it, too. In fact, uh, most of my kids, will, when they come over, say, Mom, can we just sit on the back porch and talk for a little while. And one of the things that they like to do, because one of the favorite things in our family is to have a cup of tea. And if I have it from Kenya, it's one of their favorites. It tastes a little bit different. It's got some spice to it. Um, And also, um, one of my guilty pleasures is bagels. I was going to make uh, cookies for you this morning, but I got home late last night and I was out of brown sugar. So bagels is, you get to enjoy the bagels with me this morning. But I just thought for this morning, because I want to share with you from my heart, it's not a great theological treatise that I'm going to share with you. It's not something that you've never heard before that I'm going to share with you, but it's simply something from my heart and something that as I prayed about the service today, I felt like, you know, I just really, really want to transfer this from, from my heart to your heart this morning. So I'm going to invite you to my back porch, and I hope that you'll grab a cup of tea, and I hope that you'll grab a bagel. And um, I'm sure all the gluten, for those of you who are uh, trying to get rid of gluten and carbs, I'm sure all the gluten and carbs are out of it, and it's perfectly healthy, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and you can exercise extra tomorrow. I actually put my candle on, too. Um, my sister called and reminded me, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, she said, Mel, I miss coming to your house and sitting on the front porch and burning the candles until late at night and having a cup of tea and talking about life. So I thought I had to bring my candle with me too and just welcome you all to the back porch of my life and to see what God might have to say to us as we chat together here today. So today we're going to call, uh, I'm going to call my sermon, Mom's Life Hacks. Now, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the term life hacks, but I see it come across my Facebook feed all the time. Apparently, I must click on them often enough that Facebook thinks it needs to send me more of them. And, and, and so a life hack is a term that's kind of come into modern usage a whole lot more. And, and uh, if, if you haven't heard of that, if you're not familiar with it, life hack, and I think we'll have it up here on the screen in just a moment when he's able to switch um, transfers here. A life hack is a strategy or a technique that's adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more efficient way. So a life that you use to, to make your life just a little bit easier. How many of you all have seen life hacks on Facebook or on other kind of social media? Okay, They have absolutely have life hacks for absolutely everything. I mean, I have seen life hacks that say these are 20 things that you can do with a paper clip that you never knew you could do with a paper clip. These are 15 things that you could do with a water bottle that you never knew you could do with a water bottle. Now, I didn't take a picture of this one here. I do have some pictures to show saw a hilarious one with water bottles where the person had just kind of loosened the adhesive on the water bottle a little bit and put his feet through so that it was like an old, a flip-flop and they made a flip-flop out of a water bottle. 
crazy things that people like to do for life hacks. And that one's supposed to be a little sarcastic one. But let me just share with you, in case you're not familiar with the idea of life hacks, what they're about. Are you having trouble keeping your cords organized? Are you the person like me who's always digging underneath my desk area trying to find the cords? Well, this life hack says, here is how you can use paper clips to organize your cables. You can just put paper clips on the end of your table and you can put your cords up through there and you never have to dig around underneath your desk again for a paper clip. Always digging for the one that got away, you don't have to. Now, if you like to cook like I do, and strawberry stems just seem to elude you about how to get rid of them, I don't know if these things work or not. I have not tested these. But according to this meme, strawberry stems give you trouble to remove the stem from the strawberries. Use a straw and just poke it up through the strawberry, and your strawberry stem will come off beautifully, according to this life hack. Now, I don't know if this next one will work, but I think it's worth a try. It says, if you don't throw away your Starbucks cup, refills are only 50 cents. Who knew? I think some people probably after church will probably be giving this a try because I know a bunch of you like to go to Starbucks. I know that Pilot and Weigel's, too, if you take your cup, you get your refill for only 99 cents. And it's really funny, if you happen to have a Weigel's cup and go into a Pilot, they look at you like you're strange, but they will refill your Weigel's cup at the Pilot, too. I've done that before. (laughs) All right. Do you like iced coffee, but you don't like the watered-down version? This one, this life hack recommends that you put coffee in an ice tray so that when you make iced coffee, it does not get watered down. You can do that with lots of other drinks, too. If you don't want to dole out cash for iPhone speakers, according to this life hack, if you have a toilet paper roll and two push pins, you can make your own homemade speakers for your iPhone. Strange, I don't know if it's true, so I can't say strange, but true. Hey, do you want to get your money's worth out of every post-it note and save cash on keyboard cleaners? This life hack says before you throw away your post-it note, run it between the keys of your keyboard and collect the crumbs and the fluff. Who knew? How clever. Do you love to pack bagel sandwiches for lunch? We'll take an old CD spindle and turn it into a bagel tote. Who would have thought, for all the people who are craving bagels for their lunch, there's your, there's your idea. Who needs an expensive laptop cooler when you can have an egg crate to do it for you? <laughs> all righty. I looked them up today. They can cost a little bit of money, but egg crates, leftover egg crates. And do you hate the way that pizza gets soggy when you put it in the microwave? According to this life hack, if you put a small amount of water in a glass when you microwave your pizza, the crust will not be overly chewy. Does it work? I have no idea, but it looks like fun to try. And finally, do you fancy yourself Tim the Tool Man? And yes, it's your turn to clean the bathroom. You can turn a simple cleaning into a power washing experience by taking, <laughs> by, by taking the, the scrubber and putting it on the end of your drill, get some Tilex, spray it around, and drill that dirt right off your bathtub. <laughs> Crazy things, life hacks, things to make life simpler. But today I want to talk to you about what I'm going to call, I'm not going to talk to you about tools or cooking implements or even paper clips. I want to talk to you today about what I consider a number one life hack for a great life, for a great family, for a great church, for a great eternity. Now, when I got thinking about the idea of life hacks, I thought there are so many things I would love to share with you. I wish we could sit on this back porch all day and you could share with me your ideas about life and I could share with you my ideas. I think we could make this into an entire series about life hacks, things that you can do to simplify your life as you try to meet your goals. But today I felt like I really needed to keep it simple and I just wanted to narrow it down to the one thing, 
And I propose to you today that there is a life hack that can make all of the difference in your life. And if you follow this one thing, there are so many other things that are going to fall in place. You know, Phil and I have had a lot of conversations as we've watched some of the modern films, and there's a lot of apocalyptic films that are out now, or things that ask big questions of life. What's the meaning of life? What do we do when we collapse our world because of war or famine or starvation? Or what, what, there's a lot of movies that are asking big questions of life, but, but they're asking these existential questions, but they're never grappling with the spiritual component and what God has to do with life and what his spirit has to do with life. But in the scriptures, we see Jesus challenging his followers about the important things in life. He poses this question, which is a powerful scripture. The scripture says, and what does it benefit you if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What does it benefit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? I would propose to you today that as we start to think about how we can make our life and our world a better place, that we need to have it with the understanding that being a Christ follower is the ultimate, I see this on social media too, so I decided to use it, hashtag relationship goal. Following Jesus is the ultimate relationship goal. Jesus taught in the scripture that following him, that being a disciple, that being a Christian is the most important thing you can do. It is the ultimate, ultimate relationship goal. It's more important than money and status and friends and power and fame. It's so much more important than anything. If you can just get this, this thing right, if you can follow Jesus, if you can be a Christ follower, that's the most important things. And, and being a disciple, being a Christ follower, doesn't mean you're one of those, those, those 12 guys you know, that sit around the table at the picture of the Last Supper and all that. That's not what being a disciple is all about. But I would say that no matter how much fame you gain, no matter how much popularity you gain, no matter how much money you get, no matter how much status you get, there is nothing more important. No success is more important than being a follower of Jesus. There are so many scriptures, though, that are written and sermons that talk about being a Christ follower. But if you're, if you're following along in your notes, I've tried to highlight everything in, in orange that you need for filling in the blanks. But the question becomes, how do you know if you're a true Christ follower? If that is our goal, if we agree on this, that following Jesus is the most important thing that you could do, how do we know if we're following Jesus? You know, as a small child, i got to admit, I was petrified. I was raised in a preacher's home. I was raised in the 70s. And the, for those of you who didn't live through the 70s um, in Christianity, you were missing something. Because we talked a lot about the rapture, the second coming. We even had like rapture practice kind of stuff going on. I mean, it was, it was an intense time, and you're always worried that Jesus was coming back. Now, for, for Christians, Jesus coming back should be a rejoicing thing, but I was scared to death because I, I lived in a Christian culture that had lots of rules and regulations. And I remember as a small child, six, seven years old, praying at night, Jesus Please don't come back tonight because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I might have sinned and, and, I, and forgive me for all my sins that I know about. And if there's a sin that I did that I didn't know about, I'm so afraid, God. Please don't come back in case I committed one of those sins and I forgot to apologize on time. It was a scary thing to be a kid. And I was always worried about what does it take to be a true Christ follower from my, my earliest childhood. I can remember going to bed at night thinking about that. 
But here's where I would say the life hack that I want to give you, the number one thing that I want to give you comes in. Because if we agree that following Christ is the most important thing, how can we, how, if we had to boil it down to just one thing, I love God, I'm a follower of God. What can I do to make that happen? What can I do to be a true follower? Remember, a life hack is a strategy or a technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities more efficiently. What is that one thing? I would say that John 13.35 holds a powerful scripture that gives us a big clue of the most important thing and the best starting place when you're following Jesus. John 13.35 says, All people will know that you are my followers if you love one another. All people will know that you are my followers if you love one another. You know, I, 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 think, it's, I think it's very interesting because the text does so many things that Jesus could have said. If you, if you go to a church that has great preaching, you're going to be in my followers. People are going to know you're my followers. If you have the best music, you're going to be my followers. If you do the most good deeds, you're going to be my followers. If you give the most money in the offering, people are going to know that you're my followers. There's so many things. If you have the right theology, whether if, you, if you're the proper Calvinist or the Arminian, for those of you who like theological debates, people are going to know that you're my followers because you have the true theology. You have the right way. But Jesus didn't say that. He picked something to identify his followers that everyone could see. Everyone in the world can see that, no matter what your religion is, no matter if you're young, no matter if you're old, no matter if you're rich, no matter if you're poor, no, one, no matter if you're educated, no matter if you're uneducated, if you're literate or illiterate, no matter what kind of Christian you are, people, everybody in the world, can recognize a Christian a true Christian, according to Jesus, by their love, by their love for one another. That's not so hard, is it? But yet it can be, can it? It sounds easy on words, oh, I love you. But it's so much more difficult sometimes to put in practice. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians writes that if we don't have love, we are just like a loud gong. You know what a gong is? They used to have a gong show way back in the, again, I'm back in the 70s. And when you did the wrong thing, when they finally got sick of you, instead of hitting the buzzer like they do on America's Got Talent, they all hit the buzzers now on the big X's, they had a big gong. And whenever you um, did not do well with your talent show, they would hit this bong and go, bang! And you would know that you were off the show and they didn't want to see your show anymore. The scripture says, if we don't have love, we are just like a gong. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels... But don't have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can even move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I possess all I have to the gift of the poor or give my body to hardship that I might boast, but but do not have love, I gain nothing. And now these three remain. Faith, I love faith. Hope, oh man, it's awesome. But the greatest of these is love. Without it, we're just making noise in this world. And how many of you all know that this is a noisy world? And there's a lot going on. And people are talking and communicating and and nattering and complaining and proclaiming and, and doing all the kinds of things. And it's a noisy, noisy world. And we are just simply adding to the noise if we propose that we are living for Christ. But living without love. 
We are just a gong. And I, I want to stop and pause at this point because I want to say that Life Church, sitting on the back porch here talking to you, I'm really proud of you. You're an amazing church. You're friendly. You serve coffee. Sometimes you have tea and bagels during the church service. Cool coffee cart. like the coffee cart hospitality team. We've got a strong and we've got a growing kids ministry. We're developing some nice facilities. We've got some beautiful landscape outside. I was outside just a couple of weeks ago and one of the neighbors came by and said, who was that guy who did, who did your lawn? He said, I'm just so proud to call you my neighbor because that guy, I talked to him over the years. For a lot of years, he came over here and mowed the lawn. He was amazing. You know, I'm proud to be your neighbor because you have the nicest lawn. And I got a call just last week from another neighbor saying, who's the person who mows your lawn now? I need to hire somebody, and you have got a great lawn. Life Church, a lot of things going on, including a great lawn. We have amazing volunteers. We call them our orange team. And they're always looking out for people and caring for people. I can hardly think of a person who walks through this door on a regular basis on a Sunday morning who's not part of serving on the volunteer orange team. It's Life Church. You are amazing. But I just want to say to us as we pause and think for a moment here on the back porch, we can do all this and we can have all this awesome, amazing, and we can even get better and better at what we do. Have great music. But we can have all of this and not have the foundational piece of love. You know, if I could go through this audience, I know most of you pretty well. I can name awesome talents in every one of your life. You all are wonderful people. But if we don't have those talents and those gifts that we use with an underlying basis of love, we're just gongs. We're just noise in the world. We're just another social club. And I would say the litmus test for loving God, according to the scripture, is loving other people. The Bible makes it very clear that the way that we show that we love God is by loving other people. You can do all the right things like the passage I just read in 1 Corinthians says and have it all right and have all the great prophecies and the tongues and the whole works. But if you don't have love, it's not going to work. Another scripture says, and the way, the way that I know that the litmus test for loving God, in fact, is loving people, is the scripture says, if anyone boasts I love God and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, that person next to you, look at the person next to you, if you don't love that person whom you can see, then how can he, then how can he love God? The commandment we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. You've got to. The only way that we can show the watching world, the only way that we can show God that we love him is the way that we love people. And I do believe that Life Church is a loving church. I know I've had a lot going on in my life in the last couple of years, and I have told many people I am so grateful for Life Church because it has been a wonderful place for me to land. And you all have been so kind and so loving. And so I'm not saying this this morning as we have this conversation due to a problem that I see. But I'm saying it because I want to proclaim it. I want to say, Life Church, as we continue to grow, as we continue to impact our world, as we continue to, re- to reach out, I just want to share from my heart that whatever we do, whatever we say, however we reach out to one another and to other people, the foundation of everything that we do needs to be love.
and loving in a powerful way and not just a friendly way. It's really easy for me to come in here in the morning and to shake hands. It's really easy for me to shake hands to people that I like really well. But for those of you who I don't know so well or maybe you've gotten on my nerves recently, which I can't think of anybody that has, but if you had, it's a little harder to show that love. Friendly, I can still shake your hand, but I can be on the inside be saying, yeah, you know that person. They got on my ever-loving last nerve. I can't stand being around them. Showing love to those people is even just a little bit more difficult. But yet the Bible commands it. And I want to proclaim that as, as we move forward, I believe that God has a great destiny for Life Church and that we're going to do some amazing things for him as we impact people's lives for Christ and as we grow in Christ. But the foundational core piece, I am, I'm just pleading for God to make it love, that we're known for love, whether we become known for great preaching or great lights or great music or great facilities or anything or great lawns, whatever we become known for, that the core thing that people say about, you know, they've got a great lawn, but more than that, I notice those people are so friendly and they really love you and they really mean it. That's what we're looking for. That's the basis of what we need to do. The world is looking for a place like that. Do you know that the world is watching and wondering if there's any real Christians out there? They're wondering if there's people that can show their love. Phil and I had a hilarious experience happen. We're going on a cruise. Now, I have this rule on a cruise where I say, Phil, you can't tell anybody when we're on the cruise that you're a preacher. Because as soon as you tell people that you're a preacher... They either, one, want to completely change your behavior and, and think about You can watch them. You can watch your mind spinning. What did I just say? Did I say a naughty word? What did I just drink? What will the preacher think of me for doing that? And so they change your whole behavior, and they suddenly try to become prim and proper and feel very uncomfortable around you. Or else the other reaction is they can, they can say, oh, I've got all these things I've been waiting to spill on somebody. Here's a preacher. Let's go. Now, I, I love to listen to people and I love to talk to them and have in-depth conversations when I'm home. But when I'm on vacation, I just want to be a regular person and I want to be on vacation. Well, so we're, we're kind of undercover just being regular people on vacation. We have a stop down in St. Martin's, lovely, lovely island that we get off on. We decide to go to the beach for the day. We don't want to go to all the tourist traps. We just want to go to the beach. So we're on the beach trying to locate a place to, to sit down our beach towels and I'm really thirsty and I'm, I'm looking somewhere for a diet coke that doesn't cost ten dollars and and just wandering around trying to look like regular people this man from the island comes up to us and I can't do an island accent so I won't even try but he was the lifeguard in the ocean on, on the beach that day and he says are you a white evangelical American he said those people are awful <laughs> And he took off. And he just started telling us about all the terrible things about evangelical Americans. And you could tell he'd been listening to some kind of newscast somewhere because he was spitting off everything that the popular news media was saying that day about those evangelical Americans. Here we are just trying to go incognito on the beach and get a little bit of sun, a little Diet Coke. And wouldn't you know, we found somebody who was very, very angry. You know, I think that that man needed to be faced. And we, we kind of said, uh-huh, 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 and, and, and excused ourselves after a few minutes because there was no placating him. There was no arguing with him. He was on a rant and went and found our beach towels and got our Diet Coke for about four bucks instead of ten bucks and, and sat down by the beach. But the world is watching. They're saying, what are Christians all about? Are they some kind of stereotype that I've heard on the news? Are they some kind of hateful, judgmental people who will... Who will 
who will condemn me if I haven't done the right thing? Always. If I have a bad thought? People in this world are looking, and they're looking at it for a church, and they're looking for a people who will be different and who will say, no matter where you've come from, no matter where you've been, no matter what your story is, no matter if you become a Christian and, oh my goodness, mess up again, we're still going to love you. That's what our world is longing for. And they want to know that there's something different than just a stereotype that they may have seen somewhere. Loving doesn't mean we always agree. Loving doesn't mean we always look alike and that we always think alike. Sometimes loving even means setting boundaries around our life. It can be a lot of work to love people. But it's so worth it. Because that's how we show that we're true Christ followers. Many years ago, in fact, back in the year 2000, my husband and I had the opportunity to travel to Russia. And we met um, with some wonderful, fine people. And the people that were hosting us had been living in Russia for many years as Christians. They weren't new Christians. And they had lived under the era of communism where it was illegal to live for God. And you could go to prison for proclaiming your Christianity. And they had had secret Bibles that they had hidden in the walls of their home and they would pass around pages of the Bible and they would copy pages of the Bible and, and keep it in hiding places at their home and, and pass it around from person to person just so they could have scriptures to read because it was so highly illegal to do this. These were the kind of people that, that we were staying with and we were so in awe of them and, and what God had seen them through. And they called one of the older women, women who had lived all of her life under communism until the previous few years when freedom had come to the country, and they had her pray for us. And she prayed different things over each one of us. It was my husband and I and another couple that were over there ministering. And she stopped when she came and prayed to me, and she prayed several things, some of which amazingly were insightful and had become things that had become true in my life. But she, she, she had a moment, she had an insight where she said, God is going to cause you to take his banner, that was the word she used, banner of love around the world. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means I'm supposed to share it in my neighborhood, on my back porch, around, the, around different uh, parts of Knoxville, around different parts of the country, or around different parts of the world. I have no idea what that means. But what I do know is that God on that day reaffirmed something that I felt in my heart, that one of the life messages that he's given me to share is his love and how his love can change you. And no matter where you've been and no matter where you've come from, his love is there and it's there to stay and it's not going to go away. There's nothing you can do. The scripture says no height, no depth. You can go to heaven, you can go to hell. You can make your bed in the uttermost parts of the earth and his love is going to chase you because he loves you and he wants you to love one another. In fact, I preached a version of this sermon as my final conversation with my with my the last congregation that we served in illinois because it's such a powerful life message for me and 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 still today when i was praying about what to share with you i felt like i just wanted to share this again because it's a powerful powerful message by this people shall all men know that here you're his disciples you may not have it perfect yet there may be some things in your life that are screwed up and are going to take years to unwind but I want you to know that the way people are going to know that you're his disciples is not by how perfect you are, but by how loving you are. By loving him and loving God. It's what the world needs now more than any, anything. And as I wrap up today, I'd like to point out that there's lots of ways to show love. 
There's not just one way to show it. Not all of you are ooey gooey and you just walk up to people and say, I just love you. You are the most awesome person in the world. You are so amazing. Now, some of you are like that and you have that gift, but not everybody shows love in that way. Some of you are smiling in recognition because you know that's not your style. But sometimes when we think of loving, we think we have to show it one way or we have to do it a certain way that we think is just best. But there's all different kind of styles of loving. There's a lot of material that's been written on it. And one popular book that's come out is called The Five Love Languages. Have you heard of that? And it talks about the different ways that people give and receive love well. And as you learn those, you can learn to interpret other people's actions very well, including family members. And it's, it's a really good, really good concept. And according to this concept, if you follow it, uh, the, way, um, the way that you, many people show love falls into one of these five categories. Quality time, affirmation, acts of service, physical touch, and gifts. And as we talk about showing love, and as I talk about maybe there being different ways of showing love, I just want to give a shout out to some women in Life Church.